Hello, hello everybody, and I'm so happy to be here with you and so happy to have you with us. And thank you again, Janet Lee. Do you ever know the songs I like? And you play them just like I enjoy hearing them. Thank you again. I don't know where you get all that magic inspirational touch from, but God bless you. Okay, so tonight we are beginning a, a series of studies from the Seven Thunders Speak Manifestor Chronicles before Genesis book. I hope everyone out there does have a copy of it. If you don't have a copy, you can still order it. And, uh, of course, all of these teachings go into archives, and you can go back and catch up if you need to. Uh, so let's, let, let us start with the book. And if you have it in ha your hand, uh, just hold it with both of your hands. And now, God, just open this book to the minds of the, the listeners of this teaching. Just cause their God to be as there has been to many people, warm spots on the pages that have messages to those people, lights that sometimes flash and dazzle on the pages. Whatever is your will for this evening, God, or for the days ahead, so be it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, we'll begin with the back page of the book, the very back outside page of the book. And this is what it says. Sometimes a book is written that just by being written can change the course of the world. This is such a book. That is a lot said. It is saying that just by putting these words onto paper, before you read it, before anyone reads it, it has a presence of being put into a state of a book that has an empowering and that makes a difference in the world. Now we want to spread that difference to the world part and particle at a time. And every person is a part of the world. And every one of you that can begin to understand this book and begin to live this book, you will be adding to the change of the course of the world. Now some of you may wonder in your minds, <clears throat> why am I here? Am I going to be able to learn this? Well, in Psalms 23, David wrote, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's the deep waters. So I think that there are many destinata that are being called into the, these sessions. And they are, are being made by the Spirit, not forced, but in a creative type of way, made by the Spirit to lie down in green pastures. There have been so many pastures out there that people have eaten from that are full of straw. They have no nourishment. They have very limited nutrient. Nutrient. 
and he leads you beside the still waters. He takes you into that deep place of God where you can begin to learn the secrets of the Lord. David prayed in the 25th Psalms, 4th verse, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That's what God wants to do with you. Now, if you will turn the book all of the way over, we're not opening it yet, and let's start on the very outside of the book. Seven thunders speak. All right. Seven thunders speak. Turn to Revelations 10, 1 through 11 in the Bible. 10, 1 through 11, let me read. Seven thunders speak. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth. Now, when we interpret this manifestly, we don't interpret it as a little book, but we interpret it as a book of little things. Verse 3, And he cried and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Wouldn't it be sweet, darling, emphatic to know what the words were that were cried with a loud voice because when he cried with this loud voice this mighty angel when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices there are old ancient sayings going back into the history of things written in fables and in ancient stories, some in mythology, and then some that are even written along these lines in the Bible, in which there are words, mimra, that belong to a language that is pure. And when you can speak the pure sounds of that language, you can cause things to happen. I once was given a set of words. And when I would read these words, I could cause incredible things to happen. And it, it, it was so powerful, those words, and the, the power to, to do things by saying those words was so powerful that I, I just, it was too much for me at the time. And um, I destroyed my notes on those, wor on those words and have, have not even thought about them, don't even remember them up to this very day. There will be a time for that. 
But I think that people have to gauge what they are ready to know and what they are not ready to know. Because there is power in the Word of God. And here was a person, an angel, a mighty angel, who spoke out with a loud voice, like the roar of a lion. And when he had spoken or cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. There is something extremely beautiful about that, extremely deep and awesome and challenging to have the words to speak and to speak them loud and clear and, and, and full of emphaticness that the minute you finish those words, there is an instant reaction. And what a reaction. Seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Obviously, during this interim period of time, this knowledge had been taken in by John, who had gone through these open sealed books and had read their content. And then he was about to write to reveal in his way of understanding what those seven thunders had uttered. But God spoke to him and said, seal up those things right now and write them not. <clears throat> And the angel which I saw stand on the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. There comes a time in, a, in spiritual experiences that all of things that seem to be relevant, which belong to the, the tick-tock, of time will come to a screeching halt and for the people of God that are coming into this deepest incredible walk time will be no more it will have no relevance it will have no application it will have no part in separating you by time from anything that God is directing you to go toward. And this is not some light subject. Verse 6 says, And swear by him who liveth forever. This is a covenant. 
that the things that are pertinent to the earth, the things that are in the sea, and the things which are therein, time should be no longer to all these things that are in the circuits of mortal living will in no longer ever hold you in a bind. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he has declared it to his servants, the prophets. John was not the only one who received this. Because now we see in this <clears throat> great revelation here, John receives this revelation, but at the time he received it, he is not to write it. But there does come a time when it is to be received. And it is to be declared, as it was declared to his servants, the prophets, it is to be declared. Verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto, the, unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. The Jews and the Gentiles are involved in this. The sea and the earth are involved in this. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. This is an angel telling you to go to another angel and to take the book out of that angel's hand. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall make thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Now we see that the revelation of God, and we'll speak more on this, is continuous. And here we have a prophecy by a great angel of God telling John that he must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. What's he going to prophesy? Well, he's going to be prophesying about the revelation of the seven thunders. What a magnificent, incredible revelation must be involved. Now we see, when we read from the front of the page of this book, Seven Thunders Speak, how absolutely, conclusively, astonishing that this revelation of the seven thunders is and what all it incorporates. It is utterly magnificent. So when you look at this seven thunders speak, 
Three words. You are looking at worlds. You are looking at worlds that are in those seven thunders. Now, if you go back to the book of, Gen- of Revelations, and you read, and I've, I've, I've quite often read this to you, but it's so important. Chapter 1, verse 19, and the angel speaks this unto John. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Let me read that again. Write the things which thou hast seen. He's talking about this experience. Now you have to understand that the Bible is not, especially the book of Revelations, is not, I repeat, is not in chronological order. So to understand it, you have to understand it by the Spirit. And these things he's being told to write because we already have the evidence in the, in the chapter that I read to you, chapter 10, we have the evidence that he was about to write. And now we see that he, at a later time, was given to write. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which thou hast seen, that which is past, and the things which are, that which is present, and the things which shall be hereafter. And here's the proof of it. The mystery of the seven stars which, which thou sawest, in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven angels. Are the seven churches. Now at this point, we're beginning to see there is an incredibly deep setting here. A very deep call about that which was was about that which is and about what that which is to come it's a threefold 30fold 60fold 100fold revelation blessed be the name of god now back to the front of the book seven thunders speak we've covered that in part manifest chronicles before genesis before Genesis. And people have said, before Genesis, well, Genesis is the beginning. But if you would turn with me in the book to page um, 13, page 13 that comes right after page 12, of course. And let us read something here. Before Genesis preludes, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever, which means before, the earth was. Now, be- before the earth, before even other works of old, from everlasting, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains, 
abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. Polish yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. That's Proverbs eight twenty two through 26. Does the Bible talk about before Genesis? Well, it certainly does. I've just read this to you. And, and we're not through with it yet. Let's look at um, Proverbs and uh, let's let's look at um, at Proverbs eight, and we'll start with um, we'll start with uh, verse one through four. Because some people have said, well, this, this is just talking about wisdom. Well, of course, wisdom existed before these things. Well, it's talking about a whole lot more than that. But wisdom, of course, is 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 involved. I mean, wisdom has to do with the person's capability of of mind and and and, and spiritual and physical intellect. Eight, eighth chapter of Proverbs, verse one: Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places. By the way, in the places of the paths, she crieth at the gates. At the entry of the city, at the coming in of the doors, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Then what is the revelation of this whole chapter 8 of Proverbs, which is about before Genesis? Well, it's to men, and, it, and in the English of how this is written, it includes women. It's, it's to mortals, it's to humans. And to their offspring, the sons of. So the Bible clarifies itself that this message is to the human race. So now when we read... Proverbs eight twenty two through 26, in the book here on page 13, the Lord possessed me. What does that mean? We know there's devil possession. You mean that there is the opposite of it? Well, of course there is. You can be possessed by the Holy Spirit. And there can even be times that angels because you've got the you've you've got the angels of satan and they're they under the title of demons possess people you can be possessed with good angels they can strengthen you it's wonderful to be possessed with the holy ghost because when you're possessed with the holy ghost that means it is leading you and guiding you. It's, it's, it's possessed you. Wow. So now let's go back to the front of the book. Seven Thunders Speak, Manifest Chronicles, 
before Genesis. Totally, absolutely backed by the Bible. It is a subject that is meant for the human race. And it's talking about before Genesis, which is about the making of the earth. And it says in there clearly, before. Before the earth was made. Before the hills and the mountains were formed. Wow. Now, we've covered the front cover and the back cover. Let's turn open the book to the first page. Manifest Chronicles before Genesis, 100 years ahead of its time. Now, what does that mean? Well, before I came here, I was told I should wait for a later time to come. That the time that I was born, 1938, was a time of preparing for war like World War II. And that I should, I should wait and not come. But I did not want to wait. I wanted to come. And I insisted on being able to come when I came. And someone might say, oh, that is just ridiculous. Is it now? Turn with me to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah the prophet. And that's in the, the Old Testament, right after um, Isaiah and before Ezekiel. Now let's look at the, the very first chapter. And I, I want you, I want you, I know some of you, of course, have read this, but it will not hurt you to get this down again as it all ties into this message. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. It's like before Genesis. Let's read it again. The word of the Lord. This is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth, cameth forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Wow. Okay, let's look at some other scriptures. Turn to Romans 8. Turn to the book of Romans. Chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Wow. Wow. Absolutely awesome, beautiful stuff. Awesome, beautiful stuff. Now, let's look, let's go back to the book of Proverbs. That's back by Psalms, if you remember. After Psalms. And go to the 24th uh, chapter. Verse 16. For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. People that just don't understand the real interpretation of the Bible because they've not had a teacher to teach them the truth. That, don't, that do not understand the revelation, the revelation of regeneration, and how that there are hundreds of scriptures supporting that, and how that there is a minimum guarantee of seven regenerations if you need it, because in the Bible it says in Ecclesiastes, every person is guaranteed a time and a chance. And Jesus said, don't judge anybody because you don't know. And the manifest calls it the Beling, B-E-L-I-N-G, which is the book of life within every person. And there's more in there than just about the life that you're living now. There would also be information about any life that you lived before. And if you are a just man... That doesn't mean that you won't sin. It doesn't mean that you won't commit any kind of other trespasses. But the one thing that it does show is that a person who has a right kind of a heart, that if they do sin, if they do commit trespasses, if they do make mistakes... They will always upright themselves with God and they will rise up again. They will rise again. So in Proverbs twenty four sixteen it says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked fall into mischief doesn't sound very good for rising again. You need to keep that into this whole scenario. We can't look at anybody and say, how come that you're the first one to have this revelation? How come God makes decisions like he did with Jeremiah? Because God is God. And we don't know 
how old the spirit of Jeremiah was when he was chosen to come and to be born and to be a prophet in the day that he came to be a prophet. Neither do you people know how old my spirit is and how far back I go, nor do I know how old your spirit is. It's in the Beling. But this we do know, that because of these incredibly fascinating, deep constructions of thought and reality, that we can never judge anybody. And any of us can fall. But if we really have got the right stuff inside of you, you will always get back up again. Always. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Now Ephesians comes after Galatians. And Galatians comes after Corinthians. So Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, before Genesis, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, David understood that. David understood that. And the way that David prayed was just amazing. But he did have tremendous understanding about a lot of things. <clears throat> he said things like this. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake. He, he, he took and he rendered his errors and his mistakes unto the caring and mercy of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity. For it is great. He understood how to transfer these things because he had a destiny. And he had fallen. But he understood to pray because that God, as it says and as I read to you, will do these things according to his things of salvation and mercy according to the pleasure of his will. There's a lot of people that make mistakes and they never bother to ask. Never ask for forgiveness. Never ask for pardon. And then there are people that make mistakes and they're, they're pleading and asking God for pardon. In the power of of God's grace and the power of God's love. 
Now let's look at um, let's look at uh, uh, Ephesians. Um, Chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now there, ladies and gentlemen, is the fellowship of the mystery of God which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. Verse 10, To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. It is time for the churches to understand and to know the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold. The three levels that we preach about. The thirty, the sixty, the hundredfold. That's manifold. And this is so of in such intensity that it's unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places that might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Go to verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, now listen to this, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. When we are talking about this book that can change the world, we are talking about Scripture, the Scriptures right here, of being rooted and grounded in love, of being able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Wow. So, a hundred years before it's time, people don't understand, but it is definitely set up in the Bible and verified in the Bible where men have asked God things. Like when God was going to destroy all of the people that went on the journey with Moses and only and raise up new seed from him. And God said, stand aside. I'm going to just destroy this hard-necked people. And Moses stood out there and said, well, then kill me too. What's it going to look like, God, to the world when all these people end up dead that you led out of Egypt? And he made his case, and God listened to him. That doesn't mean that Moses made the best decision. It doesn't mean he made the worst decision. But it means that God does listen to people and he allows them to do things extraordinary by their request and by how they present that request. That's what happened when I got here a hundred years ahead of time. 
Blessed be the name of God. Now, in the long of the very long, we're on the, the opening page of the manifest book. <clears throat> in the long of the very long ago, before Genesis of this present world, seven thunders rose from seven great past universes. That's what we're dealing with. <clears throat> That's what our message is about. And now look at this next thing. Book one of seven rips. This book, The Seven Thunders Speak, is just book one of seven books that make up a book called The Holy Manifest. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Turn to page two. A story of preexistence, of preexistent universes, revealed to the manifester by insights beyond this world. This wonderful book of ancient and curiosities speaks of ancient wisdom and of ancient and of an ancient aeonic histories. Now, look down at the bottom where it says Library and Archives, Canada Cataloging in, in Publication. This is what was put into the records with the National uh, Catalog uh, Archives of Canada, which includes the big bibliography, references, and index. And the subjects that it lists with the Library and Archives of Canada that this book covers is cosmology, metaphysics, spiritual life, and the title and the meaning of the title, of course. Now turn to page three. Now, when people read this, this book, we've had people say, well, you know, this book sounds like fiction. And uh, we just don't understand, you know, where are, all, where are all of these stories coming from? And how, how did they come? How were they revealed? Well, we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> but there's some things that you need to understand and know about this. This is going to make you strong. Now, on this page that we're on, page 3, if you go all the way down to the bottom of the prelude listings and then one up, you'll see the title, Parables of the Alpha Constructions, page 61. And what that means is all of the different alpha constructions, like the the age of the Alphans, the Alpha Ages. The whole presentation in this book is delivered in a form of a parable. So for the people that are thinking about fiction, it's not fiction, it's a parable. Now in Matthew 13.34, 
the Bible says that Jesus said, or the Bible says that Jesus never spoke to the human masses without using a parable. That's Matthew thirteen thirty four. So parables are up-to-date, manifest revelation methods. Now we're going to go through this book a little bit in order to get the story so people understand how that these seven universes are described in parables and why. So let's first turn in your book to page uh, 39. Page 39 in your book. At the top of the book, page 39, it says, Far Away Eyes. This is something that you have to see, like the scripture that says, Without a vision, the people perish. And it says, I will open my mouth to speak parables. I will utter deep sayings, deep, deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. Psalms 72.8, or pardon me, Psalms 78.2, paraphrased. I will utter deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. Wow. That gives you a beautiful understanding of how the Spirit, I will open my mouth to speak parables. That, that is an utterance of speaking by the Spirit, being possessed by the Spirit. I will utter deep sayings. The Bible says, from out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I will, open, I will utter deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Now, that's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And if God is going to bring something to you by the Spirit, like all of the articles that were put into the, the temple, a large portion of those were revealed to David by the Spirit. And, and, and that is mentioned, uh, you know, in the Bible. It, it's, it's verified in the, in, in the Bible. And you can read that in Chronicles 28, 11, and 12. That the incredible revelation of all the utensils and various components and holy items and, and uh, uh, holy um, uh, uh, things that were made were revealed to David by the Spirit. First Chronicles 28, 11, and 12. So, if that is what the Bible says, and it is what the Bible says, then it is a revelation showing that God, by the Holy Spirit, from out of your innermost being, can reveal to people by a renewal of their memory deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriosity revealed by the Holy Spirit. Now that 
has to do with continuous revelation. That is the opposite of what a lot of churches are teaching, that the, that new revelation ended with the apostles and the, and the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, if you believe that, you're going to have to cut out a great part of this Bible as not applying to you. And it's major, what you'll have to cut out. Because you'll be saying, I don't believe that there's any new revelation, that it's all been given, all been spoken, and it ended with the disciples and the apostles. And if you believe that, you are truly left into a limited world that is not the scriptural revelation of the Word of God. I will utter deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. Wow, anteriority. Now, turn with me to, while you're over there to page 45. Go to page 45. Under the title on page 45, Yada is to know. I will consider deeply in my inner ear the parables. Have you ever done that? Well, when you're into this book, that's what you can do. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, ear, and hearing by the word of God. Then with harp strums, I will open their hidden understandings. Beautiful. Yada is to know. Yada, the word yada means knowledge. To have knowledge. To have knowledge is to know. Praise God. Now turn with me to page 46 and 47. Next page over. <clears throat> In fact, I think I'm going to... Let's go back to page 45 and I'll begin reading at that... Um, uh, I should really read some of this because this is really quite quite beautiful. Let's let's go down to the uh, third paragraph. I struggled. I struggled for words to describe my third eye experience and how to translate Soundtron and energy dot coding into the human language. At the time of this writing, the human vocabulary does not contain the expressions of definitions, or enough history and technical information from which to, con to convey fully by translation the event of past universes and their worlds and people. Now when this book was being written on the seven different universes, there were incredible things that was revealed to me in these, revel in these universes that had happened and that were realities. But there was not a single solitary word or a group of words anywhere in the dictionary that would come even close to describing what those things were that I saw that happened in some of those universes. Now let me read this again. I struggled for words to describe my third eye experience and how to translate Soundtron and Energy Dot coding 
into the human language. At the time of this writing, the human vocabulary does not contain the expressions of definitions or enough history and technical information from which to convey fully by translation the events of past universes, their worlds and people. In order to even partially convey the stories of past universes to the human race, many terms from this present universe and especially terms familiar to cultures on planet Earth, had to be used, which are, not al- which are not always found equal in meaning to those languages of the past universes. Consequently, I could only describe the seven thunders in a figurative language, which nevertheless relays a simulance of their aeonic histories. The technical term of the sciences as used and presented are used metaphorically. Now you need to really be sure you are getting this and listening to this. Because a lot of the things that are used in here in these different universes are metaphorical. And they are metaphorical because that is the closest that you can come in the human language to describing some of these things that was revealed to me by the third eye revelation through Gabriel. And there was just no words. So you could only figuratively, in the human language we have, try to explain it. So, again, the technical terms of the, of the sciences as used and presented are used metaphorically. Consequently, where, the, where those herein written concepts apply to the present world, they apply. And wherein those hidden, uh, wherein those uh, written concepts do not apply to the present world, they apply somewhere, sometime, to other universes whose structures are constants, uh, which are of different orders. Or in this writ, they may apply merely as vehicles of expression, and as language props, wherewith to give a stage backdrop for describing happenings on other worlds. It would be almost of the greatest difficulty that is imaginable trying to describe in this world today, especially even when I first started receiving this revelation of the Holy Manifest like 40 or more years ago, a lot of science that we know today wasn't even even out. And to try to describe some of these things, there were just no words to describe them. I had to, by the revelation of these things that was being given to me, I had to get into things like science, cosmology, chemistry, biology, in a deeper way of understanding it than anything that I'd had in school. Because the explanation of what I saw in in some of these universes was so advanced 
that there was nothing in all the sciences that was comparative to it. Now, coming down here to what would be after this big, that first big paragraph where it says, I use the term parable. It's about in the middle of page 46. I use the term parable to describe some of the stories herein because the terms, names, and definition of their real events could not otherwise be spoken within the limits of human, of human vernacular. Accordingly, each of the seven universes is presented as parables. Now, this is written in the book that each of these universes are presented as parables. So if someone asks you about that and says, well, this just sounds like, like fiction, just say, well, go into the book, books of the, of the gospel and read these stories about these persons that went on a far journey, like to another world. And then after a long, long time, they came back to the earth where they had left people to do certain jobs. And those are parables. All those stories are parables. It doesn't mean that those parables do not have a truth and an understanding. We see how that Jesus interpreted those parables. And he said to his disciples, to you it's given to know the truth. But to many of these others, it's not given to know the truth. Least they should learn that truth by knowledge and be converted by knowledge rather than being converted by their well, by the desire of their well, and by the love of God. He doesn't want people trying to get into the kingdom by knowledge. He wants people to come into the kingdom of God because of the love for God they have in their hearts and because... It is their will to come. Praise God. I start read this again. I will use the term parable to describe some of the stories herein because the terms, names, definitions, and get that? You got that down? The terms and the names and the definitions in their real events could not otherwise be spoken of within the limits of human vernacular. When I first started receiving the revelation about the Ziths, the closest spelling I could think of was Z-I-T or Z-I-T. Zit. And I didn't even realize that that word all meant something like a pimple. And then as time went on, God began to reveal to me Someone gave me this big book. It was an artistic book, and it had pictures in it done by Jew, Jew, uh, Jewish authors or Jewish artists. And I saw on one of the books where it was, it was a painting of a fringe. And when I looked at that word, I saw that it had Z-I-Z, I-T-H, like Zizeth. And from out of that, God began to show me because, you know, how do you come up with these words? 
unless God reveals them. And then I begin to get the revelation of the Z-Z-I-T-H, the Zith, which also means fringe, like the fringes of space. Wow. It also means like the fringes of the first domain, because the message is to the eventually to the new creations, and they do not go into the first domain, they go into the fringe of the first domain. So the message of the the Ziths, which means fringe, <coughs> are to those people in the fringes that will be, if they overcome, that will be living in the fringes, in the Ziths of the first domain. So we see how that all beautifully ties in, in a gorgeous way. Wow. So accordingly, each of the seven universes is presented as parables. Even a colossal library on earth would not begin to hold all the stories of the seven universes and its people. Nor could the language of any one universe begin to have sufficient uh, vocabulary to express the language, the languages and the happening of all the seven universes. Therefore is pulsated only highlight reflections from the mirror of time in which the seven universes have their times and abode. Wow. That's a real deep revelation for you folks. Really, really deep. Deep and beautiful. Blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> now, um, let's go on. Uh, let's go back. And um, we just, let's say that we just finished um, uh, verse 3. Uh, uh, page 3, but remember this one part I want to throw in. On earth, many of the kings of the old Bible had sometimes two or three or more names. And you would look up a name and you'd say, oh, I wonder who this is. And then you'd find out that that person was living and acting and doing the same thing that some other person in another book by a different name was doing. And then with careful reading, you find out that that is just another name for that same person. <coughs> so other names were a common thing. Jesus gave his disciples new names. And, and Paul was given a new name. So we begin to see that in the parables these people that have a name signed to them, figuratively, is not out of line at all. It just all fits in with the style and the method that goes along with parables, goes along with the Bible style of doing things. <coughs> now, um, let's check one other thing on parables. Turn to page 506, all the way back at the back of the book here. Page 506 and 507. And I'll do a little reading. <clears throat> 506. Outside the first domain, in the vast voids of what physical infinity 
of what was physical infinity. Courier areolas of pure and original energy signaled for there to be developed as options of free will, permissive wells, and contra wells to the perfect well of I am. Therefore, the outer void beyond the curved cycles of the first domain was permeated by the soundtron shinings of the courier aureolas sent from the first domain. This was a beginning of new, of new beginnings, continuums stretching into vast of the afore and continuums stretching into the vast of the beyond to be. Now, this is all beautiful stuff, and we'll have more time to get into the uh, details of this as we go through the book. But um, <clears throat> what the idea is, is that, that space of the universe, both that which is a type of void, not necessarily void of everything, but say void of living entities or void of, uh, of physical uh, building blocks, that there is implanted in all the universe by the courier aureolas of pure and original energy signals that allow permissive wells and contra wells to the perfect well of God and allows for those people to exist without being destroyed. Second paragraph. This beginning is part of the story that relates to those participators of an ancient anteriority. It regards an, an eon beyond those continua after which events the first universe was created. It was concerning such a beginning that the I am sent forth the word of wisdom to be M's omnipresence in all things, and in such divine entities as the accelerants, those messengers generating higher degrees of excellence who were, who were to represent the invisible ultimate God. Now, we know, and we've read this so many times, but this story is told in Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through, through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle of the sun. So we see that this line representing measurement, like metron in the Greek, and transliterated in the 10th chapter of Romans to sound. So we have sound, metron, sound, tron. And that these aureolas are the impressions of God, like from the aura of God. And, and they are circuits, like aureolas, that go out, and within them is the soundtron implanted that 
allows for the potentiation of anything and everything that could ever happen in the universe, whether it was the perfect will of God or the permissive will of God, or even if it was anti to the will of God, the potentiations allow it, according to the plan of God, to make it available so that everything within the universe provides for a person to choose of his own will what he wants to accept. And then, let me read here. Let's start with this first, uh, second verse here, second paragraph, 506, page 506. This beginning is part of the story that relates to those participators of an ancient un anteriority. It regards an eon beyond those continua after which events the first universe was created. It was concerning such a beginning that the I am sent forth the word of wisdom to be M's omnipresence in all things in such divine entities as, as the accelerants, those messengers generating higher degrees of excellence who were to represent the invisible ultimate God. Now, we know that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And we know that things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. That things that are seen are made of invisible things to us. And there is an invisible God. And Jesus is the, 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 the perfect image of the invisible God. So we have to understand that if we can get into Christ, if we can come into that pure language of thought, and we can get into Christ in the way that is potentiated by the opportunities of God, that we could come into a certain knowing of the invisible God by taking it in in our understanding of the image, which the image is a blueprint. As we begin to get into that blueprint and into the design and into the pattern of the impressions of the invisible God in the universe and being mirrored in the image of Jesus Christ, we can begin to get a kind of relationship even to the invisible God because that is made a part here too by God, by God in Jesus Christ becoming the image of the invisible God. So that even things that are invisible to us, whether it's the word that we read of the Bible and, and, it's, and the understanding of things are invisible to you, those things can be brought into understanding through the Holy Spirit as it brings your mind into clarity, as it, as it opens by the Spirit for you to have a vision and not perish, for you to have understanding and knowledge and wisdom. As the Holy Spirit brings you into ultimate truth and brings you into restoration of memory, blessed be the name of God. Wow. This story also regards the seven 
universes. This is at the bottom of the second uh, paragraph. Regards the seven universes created before the eighth universe in which the planet Earth abides. We are living in the eighth universe, and before this universe, there were seven other universes. For unto the point of the conclusion of the seven universes, the universe where planet Earth abides had not been sparked into existence. During the epics of these universal histories, they who knew and could reveal superluminous truths to the masses were often obstructed from doing so by circumstances or the low mentalities of the times. For then, and even in the recent and even in recent earth history, dull diminuendos of thought infused by ignorance, error, and misconduct have often rendered the masses incapable of perceiving such knowledge. And we know that in the book of John, it says that a great light shone in darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it. So we know that there can be ages like when the God spoke and said, seal up what the seven thunders have written. Seal it up, it's not the time. But there will be a time. Well, I believe that this is a time. And God is raising up people now with the hunger and the knowledge. And you that are listening today, just turn on your cravings to crave to know these things. Just crave before Christ to know the paths of, of the Lord and to understand his secret things. Praise God. We're into the uh, down, basically third paragraph, down about an inch and a half. For then, and even in recent earth history, Dull diminuendos of thought infused by ignorance, errors, misconduct have often rendered the masses incapable of perceiving such knowledge. Therefore, in this present time of the eighth universe, by the consequences of humankind's own actions, such knowledge has become unlawful to be uttered in general proclamation. Now, you people that might say, why now? Why is it being revealed now? Because when you go back in time, you can see that in the time of Moses, he wore a veil because the people were not ready to receive the deep truth. They didn't want to really recognize that the manna that they were being fed was being fed to them from angels in heaven riding in ziths. And that that manna had been biologically made so that it kept the Sabbath. They didn't want to recognize that. And Paul wrote and he said the same veil that was over the face of Moses that kept them from the people from seeing the glory of God is still in effect in this day. That same veil is still there and people cannot see. And in another place he wrote it says they're looking through a glass darkly. They can only see part of the truth. So those are the reasons why that these Incredible revelations such as this now. John lived till after 70 AD. Most all of the apostles, in fact, all the other apostles and prophets were dead, including Saul. And John alone lived after that of all those disciples and apostles that are mentioned in the Bible.
And that is just amazing. And then the word that was said to him, even though he outlisted all those others, is that you must come back. You will come back again, and you will minister again, and this word will go out to the nations and to the kingdoms. Praise God. So we can't judge these things when the word is to be uh, brought into operation. Yeah, it's a hundred years before his time. But for everything, there is a time and a purpose. All right. The last, um, the second, see, last two verses, uh, paragraphs, up from the bottom one, two. Okay. Nevertheless, this fiery truth, and we're on page 506. Nevertheless, this fiery truth cannot be left shut up in one's bones. The sky cannot stay gray. The sun cannot hold its rays. The law of, si of silence will be broken. For the lovebirds are in love, and they must sing. The flowers are in passion, and they must bloom. Consequently, knowledge that was known to brightened ones of the past, as well as such histories of the past, remain in secret resonances of the soundtron and energy dots, waiting to be revealed by special revelation or by special dispensation. Although those gleaming truths have been revealed to elect persons and traces above those truths still remain in ancient histories as parables. They remain in ancient history as parables, paradigms and mysteries. The manifest revelation to the general masses has been extensively lost. And you can read in the Bible, and it names about 22 books that you should read, but you can't because they're not available. They're lost. The I Am in infinite mercy through the grace of Yahweh, the Christ, renews a dispensation of manifestation. The strong voice has spoken. The plan has unfolded. The manifest chronicles writ proceeds to visions beyond myopic limits and speaks in form of revelation for many generations to come. The Bible says in the Psalms that the Lord will raise a seed that will account as a generation. A generation is a thousand years. And the meaning of that is quite full and beautiful as to what that full, the fullness of that thousand years represents. The first domain is exalted above all domains. Its influence, called the domatron effect, touches all points of outer and inner space. Its relative parts, by counterpose, produce the convoluted and involuted coils of the universe from, from which are revealed the curves of life. Let that which is to be manifested be shaped and drawn into tones of words to be written, and let the colors of truth breathe speech into the holy art of divine word. Wow. Now let's go back, 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 back. Praise be the name of God. Wow. Praise be the name of God. And so we begin to see that there are some beautiful things that God's trying to speak, trying to reveal. Turn to page 15. Whosoever does not discover one's beginning 
shall never discover one's destinies. If you don't know that which belongs to your destiny to know, then that part that you never learn will keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Whosoever does not discover one's beginnings, it is so important. It's so absolutely important. You know, when, when we read in the book of, of, of Job, and, and we read chapter 38, beginning of the first verse, Job 38.1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You can have words, and they can be words that have no knowledge. And there's a lot of that going on in the world today. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I demand of thee, and answer thou me. God is, de is demanding that we have answers. We need this for our own salvation. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. If you can't declare where you were before the foundations of the earth, then you do not have understanding. And that goes along with this. Whoever does not discover one's beginning shall never discover one's destiny. You need to know these things. It's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Wow. Where were you when I laid the foundation? This gets back to before Genesis. This is why the book, The Seven Thunders, this is why the book before Genesis, which is just one of the seven books of the Holy Manifest, not even counting or including, you know, the, the last part of the book that is written, which is just absolutely awesome. And we'll talk about that in the near future. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so in Job 38, where were you? Where were you when I laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? And when the line went out, you know you had all that knowledge. Where, what, where were you? Who stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who laid the cornerstone thereof? When? Who did this when? The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there was a host. There was a host that was there in this written thing that this book incorporates called Before Genesis. Before the mountains were formed, before the oceans, before the earth was formed, before you were there. And there was a host that you belonged to called morning stars. Wow. Verse 12, have you commanded them the, the morning since your days? And caused the day spring to know his place. You were creators. 
Now, listen to what it says in verse 21. Knowest thou it because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? And if you read it in several of the other translations, it's written like this. You know because you were born then. Somewhere down deep within you, ladies and gentlemen, you know. And the Bible says that when you, when the Holy Spirit is really working in you, that out of your uttermost being shall flow rivers of living water. There are rivers of living water of history and truth and revelation tied up in the mem memory that is locked up in you. And when that memory is unfurled, you're going to know these things that you're being told right now by this manifest, holy manifest revelation. Wow. Wow. Okay, back to the book. Page 16. Often that which you see and believe is not that which is. Often that which, often that which really is may be that which you have not yet seen or believed. The Bible says that many people are given strong delusions to be, believe a lie. And it can even cause them to become damned. And I quoted it already, and that without a vision the people perish. There are things that people are considering and looking at today and counting on that they believe represents the right stuff and the real stuff. And what they don't understand is that which they think is really the real stuff is not correct. Often that which really is may be that which you have not yet seen or believed. Wow. Wow. Verse 17. For I behold the, I behold the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Now, you know, Joshua uh, is spelt with a J, but J's, you know, weren't around. They weren't even in an alphabetical pose at the time that the, this, that the Bible wrote and put this in there. That was borrowed from the Germans. But instead of Joshua, it'd be, it would be Yahshua, be a Yah. And so Joshua is known to be another name for Jesus. And I've laid before Yahshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. And behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Now this engrave the engraving is obviously a continuum. And it's also another proof that the revelation of God is a continuum. And it's meant to go and continue until it can bring about the removal of the iniquity of the land in one day. Wow. Wow. 
Okay, we've got to move on here. There's a stone. There's seven eyes. I met a man not of this world. Indeed, so many visions live within the residence of his mind. He is called Gabriel, man of God. And the book gives you scriptures you can look that up, like Daniel eight sixteen. Daniel is the, or pardon me, Gabriel is the, is the archangel of the cherubims. On a certain occasion, this angel in the form of a man appeared to me a second time and told me the story of the, of the Yahshua seeing stone. This story is very deep and profound, and I will relate it to you the best I can at this time. There exists an ancient stone once possessed by an ancient people. This stone is called the Yahshua stone. It is the stone of seven eyes, or as it may be said, the stone of seven thunders. Revelations 10, 1 through 4. It is said that whosoever can communicate with this stone can come to know all mysteries, like that person that spoke and shouted, like the voice of a lion, and the seven thunders opened up and began to utter their word. It is the stone of high vision. Check that out in Habakkuk 2.11-14. It is the stone that opens the when that atoms of solid matter unfold into streamlines of emtricity. Like this is electricity, but instead of electricity being regular electric, this is talking about like M as in I am, the Lord God I am. Emtricity being this special energy of God. And the circuits of spirituality are manifested. It is the needle's eye, spoken of in Luke 18.25. Wow. Wow. Turn to page 18. The offspring of its forefather, the dream stones of heaven's gate. It is the Urim and Thummim. Check out Leviticus 8.8 8 and Samuel 28.6. Made one of spirit, for it is where the positives meet the negatives and combust into perfect light. This stone is the bearer of many profound names. The ephod, the ephod as holder of the stones. The oracle, the token, the sign, the key of David. The keys to the kingdom, the sealer rock, the holy grail. Stones of the past, the perfect lot, the perfection of lights, and other names that speak deep unto deep. In a vision of the night when I, the manifester, was deep in slumber, there was open in my mind memories of my third eye experience. It was the story of the Urim and Thummim. Check number, numbers 27-21. The Yahshua, or Joshua stone. The Urim and Thummim can speak by three levels. By inscriptions in the stones that give a yea or nay. When revealed by certain positions of the stones. Compare Proverbs 16.33. Or by the flashing of his crystal that speaks in, speaks revelation, or by impressions of rays that can com, that can communicate with entities of this earth and entities of heaven, when the priests of the temple knew that the ark of the covenant and the holy oracle, the Urim and Thummim of the holy oracle spot, the holy place, 
might be seized and destroyed by the often invading enemies of Israel, such as the Babylonians. See Second Chronicles 36, 17-21. And they were determined to hide the Ark of the Lord and the profound sacred articles. So it was sons of Zadok and the princes would not hide uh, would not hide all the holy items, just the most sacred of them. And they were careful to leave many of the silver and gold vessels, least to become apparent to the invaders that the priests had hidden the most valued sacred items. In the ancient days of these priests and kings, the ark contained only, tab- only uh, the tables of the covenant, Second Chronicles 5.10 and, and 1 Kings 8.9, but when it was known the ark would be hidden, other sacred items were added, Hebrews 9.4. The ark of the Lord, the covenant, had placed in it two tables of the covenant, Aaron's rod that budded, the Urim Thummim, the gold pot of manna, and two priestly garments. One garment was worn by Moses, one garment was worn by Aaron, Exodus 29.6, Psalms 99.6. For some time the Levite sons of Zadok had hidden the Ark of the Covenant and the most holy items, sacred items. However, there was a breastplate, Exodus 28.15, secret that few persons knew. In Moses and Joshua's time, there were two Arks commissioned. One Ark of much artistry was made by Beziel, Bezaliel, Exodus 37.19, and the other unique ark was made by Moses, Deuteronomy 10.5. Moses would later also make the brass uh, seraph pole, Numbers 21.8.9. A later time in history, after Hiram had finished his work and assignment of craftsmanship for the temple, a third ark, an oracle replica, was commissioned by Solomon as a show ark, so that the people would be able to see it at close hand as to what the ark looked like. 1 Kings 7, 48, 50. Usually the ark was covered, Numbers 4, 5, and 6, from the site of Onseers until installed into the secluded most holy place, 1 Kings seven fifty. This was part of Solomon's grand theatron, scheme which also included a brazen scaffold set in the midst of the court, Second Chronicles six twelve through 13 Now, this is so deep and there's so much here. But here's how the story goes. And, we'll, and next week, Lord Swellen will get more into it. But a lot of people have thought there was only one, one just one ark. That is not true. If you check these scriptures that it speaks here, it'll show you two arcs that were made. One by an artisan and one by Moses. Then if you check very carefully, you'll see that actually Solomon made a show arc. And the show arc was everything about a show to the people. And he did not do what the what the, the rule for the uh, for the uh, original arcs were uh, how they were done. Um, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant was always to be covered when moved. 
and they were to take the veil of the most holy place down. And when they took that blue veil down, they were to take and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. And that is described in Numbers 4, verse 5. And Solomon, he wanted, he wanted to leave this, this Ark where the people could see it. <clears throat> but he knew that he could not do that with either of the of the of the first two arcs. Now one of those arcs always stayed in the temple, but one of the other of the other arcs was a war arc, and it would go out with them to war. <coughs> and they both were holy, and they both had a place of oracle where they were kept. Now, um, Solomon decided to make a third ark that would be a show ark. And he did something else. He, he built a scaffold. And this is described in Second Chronicles 6, 12 through 13. <clears throat> and he would get up on that scaffold and conduct the whole service. But, if, but when we read in Exodus 20, verse 26... Moses had instructed the people <clears throat> not, not to build a staircase. <coughs> Excuse me. Not to, uh, not to build a staircase in which they would go up and be seen. So <clears throat> Solomon wasn't just following perfect rules. He had some of his own leadings and ideas about it. <clears throat> and he didn't want to the people not to be able to see what the ark looked like. So he made a replica and he made it very fancy and it was a show ark. And then later, after he was through with this ceremony, and the people had been through the dedication. Then he brought up from the city of David the other ark and put it into the oracle. Now this third ark, the show ark, never was put with the other two arks because it was not deemed or allowed by the priests to be considered to be a true holy ark. Then in the course of time, there was this um, queen of Sheba that came. And basically, the scripture says that he showed this queen everything. He showed her everything about how they worshipped, about their riches, about their holy oracles. Now, <clears throat> I think it's quite evident that he would not be allowed by the priest to take her into the Holy of Holies. But fortunately, he had this, this Ark that was not into the Ark of the Covenant, that was not into the oracles, but was in a, a separate place. 
annexed to the house of God, and he showed that to her. She got a chance to see it. Now, now, tradition says that they had an affair. That is not surprising with Solomon. And that she got pregnant and had a son of Solomon whose name was Menelik. And 20 years later, when he was a young man, he came to Jerusalem, to the kingdom of Solomon, and was well received. And the priest did not, according to traditional information, did not want to give this Ethiopian so much information. But there were some of the people that were very intrigued with him, including some of the young sons of the priests, and including, of course, Solomon. So the the priests were being very careful to make sure that this son was not allowed to see into the holy, holy oracles. But he had been told by his mother about this ark and how incredible it was. And she had seen it, and he didn't know why he couldn't see it. Well, the, the priest didn't realize at first that he was talking about the show ark, which was not considered to be one of the, one of the holy arks, although in its own right it had a certain holiness to it. So, to make a long story short, Solomon allowed his son, his Ethiopian son, Menelik, to take that show ark. But because it had been consecrated, it still had to be handled by the priest, even to go into the annex and take it. And so, he got the priests to agree that their sons, selected number of sons, could go with Menelik and take care of the ark till he got it to the destination there in, in the land of, of the Queen of Sheba and called the kingdom of Axum, A-X-U-M. And there was a church there, a Christian church, of St. Mary of Zion. And that today, ladies and gentlemen, is where that show ark is now located, in that church. And there's a big story, and if I had the time, I would go into that story about the Queen of Sheba and her son, and uh, I know that there's been some, you know, writers like Graham Hancock that has written on the story. But his story about what he thought was an ark has been proven to have been a totally different kind of thing 
and not the ark at all. And it's very, very interesting, this whole story and what is allowed. And there are things written about the Ethiopians in the Bible. There are promises to them in the Bible that is of a beautiful order. And the area that they're at is, is incredible. There are, there are these, these monoliths, like there was one that was 33.3 meters. I mean, you're talking over 15 stories high. That's the largest monolith that was ever made in the world history that any of us know about. And there are many different unusual things there in this land of, of Enoch and in this particular area of the kingdom of, of Axum. And Lord willing, uh, we will get around to talking about that. Uh, there are so many, many other things I would like to get into uh, that's still a part of, uh, of all these uh, teachings. But um, I think that we're going to have to call this um, being a, a finish of this first series. I would like to read for, to you from page 95 and down a little over halfway where you see that dark print, Yahshua, Stone of Knowledge. Half, a little over halfway down the page on page 95 of your book. When truth is delivered into your hands, do not put it on the wayside. Let that truth which has been proclaimed in past ages be proclaimed again. That same truth is now being focused in your eyes. Read it into your heart deeply. For great truths were already written by Beom Wisdoms in the Soundtron prior to the time when the first universal order was to begin. Even going back in time to when the sterile seed substance of the former Alpha, alpha Successions still hung in unconscious suspension, to when the I Am shone forth shinings of pure spirit energy beyond the curved cycles of the inner dimension. So it was, so it was, God sending forth M's radiance, or as it may be said, sending forth M's shinings of Mtricity. Wisdoms were projected as fiery aureolas and imprinted into the soundtron. The day is coming, ladies and gentlemen, when you're going to know how to strum the soundtrons. The revelations of the seven thunders, which incorporate all this knowledge about soundtrons, energy dots, and all these patterns spoken of in parables that are interpreted to bring you into the deep and wonderful place of God. What an exciting day. What an exciting time as we have now opened our first teaching from this great book. And you are only going to become wiser and more learned, more spiritual, and more filled and possessed with the love of God as you continue on this journey. Now to you out there who are in need of healing, 
God especially laid a couple things on me. On me, people that are having problems with their bones was one, and the other was people who are having problems with their stomachs. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on this earth as it is in heaven. Reach out now to these people suffering with problems and diseases that are causing afflictions in their bones. Many are the kinds of diseases that can be said about that, but we are just generally asking for deliverance to the people who have afflictions in their bones. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and for the people with stomach problems, that you will reach out to them tonight by your Holy Spirit and heal their stomachs, heal away any ulcers, heal away any cancer, heal away any abrasions and 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 parts where there is stoppage. And blockage, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May God bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. When I opened this book today, I opened it up, and I felt on this page that I opened to, and there was a warm spot, and I read. That portion that I just read to you at the end, because you know what, that is the message, and God is making you to lie down by His Holy Spirit in the green places, and He's leading you to the deep, still waters. God bless you. We love you. Amen.